to be here with you all. Uh, you all are basically like a, let's say a second congregation, right? Kind of like it, it's sort of a second home the last uh, year and a half. Um, and so this is an interesting one. I, I, I sometimes I'm at a, a loss. I'm rarely at a loss for words when I speak, but uh, I was thinking of a way to start off the sermon in terms of right standing. I've got, uh, for my car accident, there's this part of my lower back that won't stop nodding up around right here. And then uh, I possibly have a dislocated left elbow from, from the accident. And so so I would say I'm having trouble um, standing right before God, and, and literally physically. Um, but I, I, I thought about this example. Um, I had a uh, my niece call me uh, out of the middle of the blue and said, I really need to talk to you. Uh, I won't share how old she is, but so I really need to talk to you, Uncle Gary. And, and I kind of suspected what it was about, but... So we talk for a while, and, and you know she reveals her news and fully expects me to, to end our relationship as uncle and niece. And I said, you know, I said two things: I'm not surprised, and then two, I still love you. Okay, so, so in this time that this this 15 year old spent worrying about whether her uncle would dis- disown her for whatever news that she had for me, uh, she was not she was not in the right standing. She felt like she was not in the right standing with me and, and her loved ones, and so. Uh, so once she hears, I said, I'm not surprised, and I won't reveal what it is here, but not surprised, and I still love you, that uh, you can almost hear the, the sigh of relief, like, <sighs> right. And, and and later on, she says, you know, you don't know how much this means to me. I will always love you, always love your support. And so so when we think about this, I, I think about the families here, and I, I always see some new faces occasionally. Um, never quite sure how some of these messages hit home. But for me, uh, this one, I think, is a little bit more personal. And so I'll, I'll just sort of keep it in, in that realm. But obviously, there are, there are applications for this passage, I think, for us. And so, uh, so the passage is right standing before God and taken out of 1 Timothy 3. Uh, let's see. Let me make sure I got this right. So this was, uh, and Emily, I'm, I'm surprised she lets me indulge in Twitter because I, I have three parts of Twitter that I keep track of. Uh, NBA Twitter. You know, with uh, the playoffs, there's uh, sort of mental health Twitter, which I think uh, depends on the day, right, Beatrice? If, if it's if it's helpful for the day, it's helpful. If it's not helpful, then you should probably turn it off, you know, or, or go to a different uh, website. And then uh, inspirational Twitter, right? And so this is probably from that third realm. This is Ben Malky. I don't know who this person is, but this was a couple Fridays ago, uh, about three Fridays ago. Don't say God doesn't answer my prayers. Don't say God doesn't care about me. When you pray, God hears more than you say, answers more than you ask, gives you more than you imagine in his own time and his own way. Don't rush, for God's secret is patience. And of course, hashtag patience. Okay, so uh, how many of us are good at patience? Anybody? Anybody? I'm not. Okay, so I want things my way. I want my food delivered in seven minutes or less. Um, There's a committee that says, like, not only does he want to order Amazon, but he wants to be able to have the package be ready for him right as he hits order, right? And so even though we get an hour or two, he says, that's not enough. It needs to be right in my hand as I hit the order button, right? And that's a good example um, for what we struggle with, I think, as, as believers. And uh, uh, I'll just share it. So appreciate uh, our brothers leading worship today. And all it takes is like the one hiccup in the video, right? And we're like, oh, I'm singing uh, solo now. Okay, cool, right? And so we have a disruption in technology, just how awkward it is until the congregation sang together as brothers and sisters in Christ. So, um, so this is a friendly reminder, uh, a lot of the stuff that we want 
I think God as a Heavenly Father says, eh, not right now. Okay. And, and I think we need to be okay with that. We need to, more, we need to be more than okay with that. Okay. So let me uh, pray for the morning uh, again that, that God brings together what's going to be shared the next half hour. And especially for you guys to be inspired and, and to be encouraged. Uh, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this congregation that uh, that shows up every week and for these, this leadership that cares very much for these uh, young brothers and sisters. I pray for wisdom in this talk. I pray that uh, we actually would be in right standing with you because we, we know that you care for us and that you always look out for us, God, and that we would be okay with that. So we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right. So context for the passage. Uh, I think... How many of you guys have actually read this passage sometime in your lifetime? I'm pretty sure a few of us have. Okay. So, um, why First Timothy? And so this idea of false teachers. The false teachers are the occasion for the letter. Uh, the positive instruction is crafted in direct contrast to the false teachers. And the interesting thing is, as, as I say here, the exact nature of the false teaching is not clear. So we're not sure whether it is like, worship Gary because he's handsome and good looking, or... Uh, worship Howard because he's awesome and smart, right? It's not sure what the false teaching is in this case. And so I, I think that's almost to the better of it, right? Because here's what happens if we, I'm trying to think of a subject where we can all sort of head in different directions. I think about um, like mathematics, right? There's a certain way to do mathematics according to Pascal or whoever, right? And so the moment that we try to find our own way to do math or physics or chemistry, uh, we often literally the chemistry experiment blows up in our face, right? Um, that's why I didn't want to do chemistry. Sorry, uh, Jimmy. So, um, that's why I skipped biology straight to physics. But, um, but in all seriousness, so it's probably better for the better that, that these things were not known what exactly the false teaching was because I, I think uh, related to leading people down the wrong path, if I know that that false teacher is teaching something else, I'm going to be curious about it. I'm going to wonder, what, what, is, what is he or she teaching, right? And And they're saying in this case it's, not relevant, almost not relevant to this case. Since Paul was then separated from Timothy and the church, he wrote back to him with further instructions, and those are in chapter 1. He hoped to return for a visit, but wrote in the meantime to address the way in which Christians should behave. And so what that implies is that there is a movement of the gospel, which we know about uh, if you've been uh, a believer for a while. But um, in essence, this was a letter to say, this is what you should do for the time being until I arrive. What do we call that nowadays? An SMS message. I'll see you soon. I'll see you at the airport. Um, you know, please have my luggage ready, honey. Please have my Korean fried chicken ready for dinner. I'm just kidding. But, um, but in all seriousness, uh, hey, I'll be, I'll see you guys at church on the 3rd or the 24th of April. Right. And so this was almost like the pre, pre times, uh, texting, uh, or, or, you know, Facebook messaging or Google Hangouts, right? That in the meantime, I won't see you guys for a while, but here's my letter for you to follow. Okay, and so that 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 should hit home for some of us who who sometimes believe that that we're a little too modern for the gospel. This was sort of a precedent for us that that in lieu of me coming uh, to see you guys, here's the message. I send the PowerPoint to uh, Howard and Asolia, or I send you know the the lyrics for Tommy picks the songs for the week during Tuesday and says we're going to practice on Thursday. And so there is a preparatory component to, to this stuff. And so let's read through the passage together. Um, uh, verses 1 and 2. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, 
respectable, hospitable, able to teach. In our U.S. history books, uh, we often cite George Washington as, as an overseer. Like, you always see the picture of George Washington on, on the boat, leading the people down the Potomac River. Right? And so the overseer is, in, in some sense, responsible for not only modeling uh, Christ-like behavior in the church, but he's also tasked by God to lead the church. Okay? Uh, he, uh, and so whether that's the, the church leadership, the, and we'll talk about the deacons in a little while, but this is someone that's, that's responsible for all these things that are really important. Okay. Uh, faithful to their spouse, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Okay. Verses 3 and 4, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Okay. My wife and I have these frequent conversations about money. Uh, and you, you kind of have to by the time you get to our age range. Um, and so, But when we think about this, much, much of our family history is around greed, okay? And, and so I, I wonder about, for some of us, when we think about, when we think about God, there's almost like this other aspect, you know, on the other shoulder about need to have more money, need to have more riches, need to have more iPads, that sort of stuff. But I do think if we take this faith seriously, uh, this, this whole lover of money thing will, will probably come into play for, for a lot of us. Not that we, not that we don't struggle with it, but I think the idea of we need to be okay financially, and more than okay financially, okay? Uh, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner, manner worthy of full respect. Okay. And so in my, in my work, folks, uh, I'm sure many of you know I'm a marriage and family therapist. Uh, there seems to be a subgroup of people that come in for, for, for services, and it's uh, church leaders, you know, church leaders that are really struggling with, you know, my wife and I are good, or my spouse and I are good, uh, but this child of mine, oh, this Howard guy, like he can't get it right at school. He goes out drinking with his friends, you know, and he's only 17. And so oftentimes it's, it's the parents coming in, the church leaders saying, I have a real problem with Beatrice. Like she doesn't even go to school anymore, right? And so they're, 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 they're trying to phrase it as I have a problem with my children as opposed to this is our, our family that's having a struggle together. And so, uh, so my specialty of, of counseling really involves seeing the family as a whole unit. And so I, I often think about when I do these sermons, I think of your, your church family as a whole unit with all these sort of different people. And, and so, um, but oftentimes you, you choose one or the other in, in ministry, unfortunately. And so uh, it often ends up being like my children suffer or the children suffer as a result of either overcommitment to how the church goes or not enough. And we'll get to that in a moment or uh, not enough leadership, or poor modeling from uh, what I grew up with. Okay. Uh, next, verses 5 and 6. Each time it's like it's either the woodpeckers or the, in summertime, I think it's like the, the mosquitoes. So, um, If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Ouchie. Okay. So how do we expect someone to, to lead in the church if they, if, they don't, if they don't even know where their children are or if they don't even know where their spouse is at? On a particular week, right? Um, and so I think that's that's more of a lesson for myself as someone that does this work. Uh, I need to make sure that I'm supportive of my spouse, but also these family members that kind of know what I do for a living. And so it was really important for my niece to know that that her uncle loves her still very much, right? And we'll get to what that means in terms of right standing before before God. Not that I'm God, but on the right standing before someone. Um, he must not be a recent convert, or he may be, become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Um, and so here's the interesting thing. Uh, what, what they're hinting at here is we want growth. We want, 
Uh, we want Tommy to pick up keyboard and guitar and piano and lead worship someday. But what are we really most interested in? That basically, uh, that, that he doesn't become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. And so it's very clear there that arrogance is seen as like that of the devil, right? And, um, you know, one of, the, one of the interesting things, I'm actually, as awkward as it sounds, I'm a pretty shy guy. So it's very likely when we leave here, um, we're going to go home and watch the Warriors game, and I might not talk the rest of the day. Oops, right, did I just say that? So, so it's, very, it's very likely that uh, when I leave here as, as an introverted guy, that my, my talking's done for the day. And that's, you know, I might text you guys, or I might say, hey, do you want to have lunch later on? But in this case, um, if I became a conceited, prideful version of myself, what, 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 what do you think I, I might do later on? Brag about speaking at a church or, you know, the brag to, to my wife that, that Jimmy and family always takes care of me with these cool snacks every time, right? right and so the idea is that it's, it's, it's kind of a slippery slope uh, that, that we, we want to be growing as Christians, uh, but I think the recent convert thing a lot of people have an issue with because some people want to have, again, I, I just came to Christ, I want to serve Send me to seminary, uh, Brother Jimmy. I, I think I'll be great. Or I want to learn from Asoli and get discipled. All that stuff. Right? We, want, we want the thing now. And what I'm suggesting, uh, congregation, very gently, is that the best stuff seems to happen when we least expect it. Okay. And, so, uh, and that, that has a lot to do with how God sees, sees answers to prayer. Okay. All right, moving on. In, in verses 7 and 8, uh, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. And so imagine there's a, there's a fine line between uh, the two paragraphs. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. This top part, okay, he must have a good reputation with outsiders. Okay. Uh, one thing I want to point out, congregation, um, in... And Beatrice and, and my line of work, I can say we're colleagues now, um, your reputation is everything. Okay? Your reputation is everything in this field. The moment someone gives me a one-star Yelp review for being a bad therapist, guess what? It's forever out there in the whatever sphere, right? So, or if I ran a restaurant and, I, and Howard got food poisoning from my food, you bet my Yelp review will say, this, this guy should not be cooking anymore, right? And so our reputations are very, a, a very tenuous, a sensitive issue. And so what they're saying here as church leaders is that must have a good reputation with outsiders. And so this is why I never understood congregation, why, um, you know, if you've seen those street preachers, they're, they're like on their bullhorn screaming, you better come to Christ, young man, like you better come to Christ right now, right? And, and so in other words, most people in their right minds would be like, Oh, you make perfect sense. Okay, let me follow you, right? And most time people are going to feel defensive. They're going to feel angry that someone's yelling at a bullhorn at them at a, in front of a Sharks game, right? And so I think some of this is, again, some of this is in the humility of, of our faith. And, uh, and maintaining a good reputation does require uh, humility and a sense of what's happening outside of us, okay? And so now we switch to deacons. So remember, we talked about overseers for a while, and now we're talking about deacons. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. I would say one of the most, perhaps, dishonest and uh, immature ways that people sort of attack this passage is they, they go to straight to the alcohol angle. Like, you're never supposed to ever, 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 never, ever, ever, ever have alcohol. Okay. Now, if you look at the context of this verse, uh, which one comes first? Worthy of respect, 
sincere and not indulging in much wine. And so we lose context of what happens in the scriptures. There was not a lot of potable water where they lived. And so oftentimes the wine often kept the system from your, your, your digestive system from not going crazy. And that was the only thing that was not poisonous to drink at that time. And so oftentimes people in our sort of piety will say, oh, that deacon, like I just saw that he hung out at BJ's with, with Gary and Emily. He must be drinking heavily, right? And so again, this is where sometimes in our judgment we, we forget the, stu- the real good stuff, which is someone that's worthy of respect, sincere, they're earnest, and not pursuing dishonest gain. And so I, I'm going to briefly get with an uncomfortable topic here. I, I think one of the interesting things from having talked with uh, some of the church leaders here talking uh, with, with Howard and Asoli. And, you know, oftentimes we, we think of churches not doing well because of what the pastors do. <sighs> Deep breath here. Oftentimes it's really not just the pastors, but also some of the deacons that, that don't act right. And so my understanding with this church is that a deacon didn't act right and, in fact, uh, fell prey to greed and, and so did, did their bad deed and, and so on and so forth. So without dredging too much of that stuff, again, we're, we're not talking about outward behavior such as like drinking wine or investing too much in Apple's, Apple or LinkedIn stock, but we're talking about these internal character things, which is being worthy of respect, being sincere, being not greedy, and not pursuing dishonest gain. And so I think that one, particularly as a, as a congregation, we should focus on for our leaders are they, are they people, and am I a person that is worthy of respect, sincere, and not pursuing dishonest gain? Again, one of, the, one of the quickest ways to end a relationship in this life is if I know that you're not acting in good faith. So if I borrowed money from Howard, you know, 20 bucks a week because I need, uh, I don't know, a Hainan chicken dish every week, right? And, and then I never pay him back, and then I ghost him, right? Do you think that Howard's going to want my friendship afterwards? I'm just being honest here. Do you think he's going to want a friendship? No. Uh, something's going to have to happen, and it's usually an apology that I just stiffed him out of $2,000. Not that he'd ever loan me $2,000, but... So I'm saying that there has to be some sense of having that respect and sincerity and, and not pursuing dishonest gain, and yet what happens to, uh, at times is our churches fall, to pray, fall prey to this because of uh, Satan's influence, but also people's uh, not wanting to work on themselves. And so that's, that's what I'll, I'll leave with that. As we go, jump to verse 9 through 11, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Okay. So you bet my niece, after unloading all that she unloaded on me on, on Tuesday night, I think it was last, last, last week, um, slept well, you know, and, and told me later on that, that that was the best sleep she's had in a while, and that was the best sleep I had in a while, too. They must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the, again, we switch topics now, the, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Okay. And so you can imagine from Paul's vantage point, he gets a certain number, he got a certain num- amount of uh, uh, letter writing materials to make this work. And so he's just jumping from, from leadership group to leadership group. And so, uh, so it, it feels like it doesn't have a flow, but it actually does have, it does have a flow here. Um, and so here's, here's the interesting thing. When we think about this first part of, of this paragraph, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Does anyone have any idea what that means? Because that was the one I, I was stuck with all week. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. 
I'm sorry? What are the deep truths? I, I, sorry, I can't hear you. Yeah, what are the deep truths? Yeah, what, what are the deep truths? What are we talking about here? Okay, what specific ones? Are we talking, uh, some people go Ten Commandments, which we know is, uh, you know, uh, Old Testament. Or are we talking about uh, the Beatitudes? Are we talking about, right? Does anyone have a guess? Sorry, we forgot to bring prizes this week, so that, that was... Uh, what are the deep truths? I think something that comes to mind is Hebrews 11, where it's in the Bible chapter. Yeah. Right? And you have all the different stories of people whose faith was tested, but, and who didn't see you know, yeah. what they were expecting. Yeah. So when I think of the deep truths, is seeing those like, testaments, right, and really holding on to those yeah. as the faith and the hope that we have. Right, so people who are not hopeless. Yeah. So I, I hear elements of hope. I hear elements of things that are not seen, that God sees. Okay. Uh, Hebrews eleven one, and then on to the rest of the chapter. Okay. And so, you, you, if we put ourselves in the shoe of the church that received this for, for Timothy's church, and then we get this letter, I think one thing to point out is what they're saying is don't believe those people, the false teachers. And that, I think that, that's why it highlights the false teaching. We don't need to know the false teaching. We just need to know this person is spewing negative stuff. Okay, and so please keep on supporting uh, your church leadership that is acting in this way. So here's the script. They act in a way that's, that's uh, not, not dishonest and they're not pursuing personal gain. Um, and then it's interesting, they, they transition to, to women here. And so in the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. And so... My, my thing, and we'll, we'll get to the application in a moment here, but let's, let's cover this last uh, couple of verses here. And, uh, and then they skip back to the deacon part. And so this is why I, uh, when I was preparing this, I, I went, so they went deacon, women, deacons. And so deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So that fits what Asoli just mentions, that their standing gets secured and becomes excellent once they have done these things. Okay, so there is an aspect to, uh, you know, I, I had someone during, during uh, this is finals week for my courses that I'm teaching, and uh, while everyone else did a great job working on their stuff, this guy actually showed a YouTube video and said, here's my video, all right, thanks everyone, all right, and, and so did none of the work that the other classmates did but also expected an A, just like the other classmates got, right? And so we're not talking about that type of stuff. We're talking about someone that is faithful to their spouse. They manage their children and household well. In other words, not perfectly, but they have served well to gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. And so, um, and then Timothy closes, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, which again, we're not talking that they had their uh, Priuses back then, they had their feet, and they had their walking distances. If I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. For my parents in the room, what is the worst thing that could happen in your house when, when, the, when your kids are little? When the kids are little, what's the worst thing that could happen in the house? So maybe I have nightmares about this probably. When the house gets quiet, right? Right. So all of a sudden, you know, Gary and Emily are fighting each other and they're kicking each other, right? And then all of a sudden, mom goes, 
crickets. It's dangerously quiet here, right? And then oftentimes what you'll hear is what uh, someone comes out with a bloody forehead or someone gets kicked in the knee, right? And so the pain comes after the silence. And, and so I think what, what's, what, what's, what I'm applying here is that Timothy wrote this letter saying, you may not see me for a while. On the other hand, that doesn't exclude you from acting right in the gospel, right? And so I think that's, that's sort of a big lesson for us because when we get to this part of the application, and I'm, I'm looking at some people in the room like I was exactly in your shoes like 40 years ago or 35 years ago uh, when I was in sixth and seventh grade. Like I was, I was the goofball in the room. I was the one trying to flirt with the girls in fifth grade or not fifth grade, eighth grade or whatever. And so um, let's get to there, right? And so two major mistakes, Christians, and I would say people that may not be in the faith as well, uh, they make with this passage. And I think this is a, a really critical one. If, if, if there's anything you take away from today's message, um, is this. So if I'm sitting here listening to some bald guy talk, and I'm like, oh, cool. Our leaders and older adults and parents and mature parties are supposed to act this way. Now I can hold them accountable. Okay. Yes, now I can tell uh, Brother Jimmy what to do. Right. So that's one major mistake. Second major mistake sort of goes in line with that. So uh, you're talking about First Timothy, Garrett. How, how does this affect me? Right. And so what I'm applying there is that you're separating yourself from number one, that this message has nothing to do with me. And if I have to do with you and you and you and you and you, right? Uh, and you. And so, and the second one is basically willful ignorance or intentional disobedience. Ouchie. And so when we talk about this, uh, this is why moms are always concerned about, about the kiddos in the house, right? If, if mommy and daddy don't hear from the kids, they're probably engaging in some act of willful disobedience or uh, intentional, intentional disobedience or willful ignorance. And so, so the idea is that, again, this applies to all of us. There is no, like, those people are the leaders and those people have to act a certain way and then I don't have to do anything. And yet, that's oftentimes what happens in congregations, uh, and dangerously, to be, to be quite fair. And so, past versions of this sermon, uh, at least in the churches I grew up went in, would have some, some pastor get up and say, listen, you need to be like the, we want to train you to be uh, leaders in the church, or we want you to focus on maybe going to seminary or getting some sort of training or going to, uh, you know, uh, Brother Jimmy's Sunday school class to learn more about the gospel. That's past versions of the sermon, okay, since I was growing up. Or focused on church's qualifications for pastors and elders. So we bring uh, Pastor Solia up here. We're going to have her sit here and we're going to interview her. And we're just going to pepper her with all these resume-type questions about what she brings to the church. We're not doing that today. And if anything, this is just Brother, Brother Gary's application. We don't get the right to do that. And, and so exactly what I just said uh, a few moments ago. If we're sitting here going... These things have nothing to do with me. I do wonder if there is probably a rebuke for you in the future, because again, Paul wrote this letter to the entire church, and so the, the convenient thing is to say this is only for leaders. And what I would argue is, um, can I pick on Brother Jimmy one last time? So you teach chemistry, right? How many hours did it take for you to become a great chemistry person? Twenty-seven thousand. 522? Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Uh, Sister Solia, how long, how many hours did it take for you in, in, in seminaries and uh, church, parachurch settings to learn what you know 
in terms of church leadership, like thousands of hours, tens of thousands of hours. Yeah, yeah. So, so in psychology, and it, uh, again, I, I, I'm in that realm, but in psychology, we, we call this the not I. If I think it's too hard for me or it's not meant for me, what I do is separate myself and go, well, that, that's, that's you people, right? That's not me. So they call it the not I. Um, and if we're talking about church stuff, we don't get we don't get the right to do that. And so I'm just sort of leaving that with you guys in terms of uh, you know the, the major mistakes we make is basically saying, oh, this is you people who who God has called to be leaders, right? It's a very dishonest thing, right? Because if I said, and again, this is a different type of gospel, but if I said everyone that comes to service gets a thousand dollars, right? You bet people would be like. Right? It would be like, can I, can I get a $4,000 check with all my limbs? Right? And yet, when we talk about the things of God, this whole not I thing comes into play. And I'm saying, no, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay. Um, and so this, this is where uh, I grade on grammar and syntax too often, and so, ew, that's gross. I'm sure you didn't want an English lesson uh, in a sermon. So... Why not standing right before God? Right. Why, why is the sermon not called why, uh, standing right before God? Well, here's the reason. I put it right below. So right standing before God, it's a little more passive. Okay. There's less control involved for us, and that's my point. That is the point, is that the standing is justified by how God sees us okay. as, as his children. Okay. There's nothing you could do to basically get more right with God. Or to be more one with God. Okay. We want to be closer to God because of the relationship. But if we're talking about our, 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 Asia, our Asian tendencies to be like perfect and achieve and perform and got to make a thousand free throws before I go home and sleep, that sort of thing. That's not what we're talking about here. And so that's why I chose the, the, the passive, the, the right standing before God. You know, it maintains God as the one in charge, as the one in control. And it puts us in the, in the subordinate position. So, so we have a neighbor cat. Uh, his name is Blue. Really adorable, chubby guy. It's like a chubby, uh, off-white cat. And every time he runs up to Emily, this, this really bold, buff cat that's really sort of a bully in the neighborhood, what does he do? He runs up to Emily, and then he lays on the ground, waiting for her, waiting for her to pet him. Okay? What is that? So those of you who have cats, what is that behavior? So this tough guy that goes around the neighborhood beating up uh, possums and you know other animals, but when he sees Emily, lays down and wants to be petted. What is that behavior, guys? Submissive. Submissive. Yeah, this cat really likes us, so he'll run over to us and go around my legs and go to her and right. And yet every other people in the neighborhood, he's like actually friendly too. So this this cat really sort of plays up his uh, his uh, cuteness. Okay, but it. When it comes to us and God, it, it, it only works when God is the one in charge and, uh, and, and with us in the subordinate position. And so, so I wanted to offer a different approach. And uh, I'm sorry for all the basketball analogies for today. But um, what, what the Warriors, and they're not my team, but I'll just give an example of what, what this means for, for the Warriors fans in the room. Whatever they're doing right now in terms of success has not worked without any one of these four people playing this year. So when the, when the person in the far right was out, they lost half their games. When Clay was out, they lost a good chunk of their games. And then when Steph Curry was out, they lost, I think, 40% of their games. And then if they didn't have this young kid on the left, they probably would not even be in the playoffs. Okay. So what we're saying is that this church family, 
this church basketball team, just kidding, uh, this church family doesn't work without all of us. And I think that is one of the critical things, is that we don't put all of our eggs in the deacon basket, we don't put all of our eggs in the church pastor basket, we don't put it all in Sister Solia basket, okay? or all the Sister Beatrice uh, basket, or all the Brother Howard basket. Why? Anyone want to tell me why? Why don't we put all the eggs in one church leader's basket? Huh? That is a lot of eggs. Okay, uh, I'm running into this. I'm, I, I decided, and, and against my better judgment, I'm teaching seven seven college courses this semester. I don't even know half my people's names. Okay, so uh, that's an admission on public record, right? And so, oftentimes, I have to rely on these weird, antiquated systems to try to remember my students' names. Okay? It's a lot to put in one person's basket. Okay? And so, the church grows better when there's more people involved. A basketball team grows better when there's more players involved. Okay? All it takes is one injury, and you don't have your same warriors. Right, Brother Jimmy? Right, so I'm saying in the same way, the church, when one of you is not participatory, sorry, that sounds like very elementary school grade type thing, but when all of us are not participating, there is some chance that you are acting in a way that, that, that sort of detracts from how the church is moving forward. Right. Um, uh, we, had, we had some people come in and fix our windows this week and they did their best to clean up all the glass. They shattered every single window because they're, they're like 50-year-old windows. And then I get out of the shower today and thinking, cool, I'm going to have a good sermon. And then I step on the uh, thing and a, a shard this long is embedded in my foot. Okay, so uh, that was my wake-up call for the morning. And I was screaming like a cat. I was literally like, you know, like a cat when they go crazy. Okay. Um, and so we, we thought we got everything this week, and then basically now I've got this little nice bleeder right here that, that I have to worry about later on. But again, that, that's, that's a good analogy, I think. When the church doesn't grow together, when everyone doesn't feel like they're an important part of the church, including, I think, to, to give credit to Sister Solia and to Howard and, and the, the youth group leaders, like when you involve the kids and help them feel like they belong in this kingdom, you're doing the Lord's work. You're getting your children involved. You're getting, uh, when we are not forgetting our elderly citizens that are stuck in nursing homes or they just don't have the means to get here, right? Uh, in America, we treat our children and our elderly very badly. Okay, so I'm saying the church needs to be both at opposite ends of the, of the age ranges, but also making everyone else in this room feel like they're a part of this kingdom, right? It doesn't work any other way, okay? Um, and so... So let's go through the roles again. So this is more for, for those of us in the room that maybe feel like this doesn't apply to us. But the overseer, and you'll notice I, I only uh, underline a certain few words, to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to be taught, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a matter, matter worthy, full of respect. I mean, if that isn't the resume for, like, you know, uh, a partner in life, I mean, that is the perfect resume, right? And yet, so what does this sound like? A pretty decent parent. Someone that, that is a, a worthwhile parent, uh, I think, in this life. But again, the emphasis is on to be. Next, deacons, to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain, 
They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a, faith with a clear conscience. In other words, they're not losing sleep over the most random things each night, but they're getting their rest every day and they have a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And then if there's nothing against them, let them serve. What does this sound like? It sounds like a pretty decent employee or student, doesn't it? Okay. All right. So I'm trying to draw some analogies here for you guys. Like this isn't just that person over there that looks like they serve all the time. Okay. Um, next. Uh, women, and I put women in quotes because, again, the, the context at that point in time was women were not treated the same as they are now. Um, and so women to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers. So one could say, wow, that's very presumptuous, Gary, that women are all malicious talkers. Context. And so uh, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. What does this sound like? It sounds like a pretty decent person to trust ministries with. They're not gossiping about random people in the youth group, or they're not uh, saying this single parent must be ostracized, right? They're someone that's worthy of respect. They don't talk junk, and they, uh, they're temperate and trustworthy in everything. Okay. So we've just named three types of people with three different types of ministry. Okay. And so the emphasis is on the to be. And uh, again, I haven't studied uh, uh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare in quite some time, to be or not to be. I actually fell asleep while watching uh, King Henry V one time uh, in the first two minutes. But uh, So the emphasis on to be. Okay. We're all in active stages, I believe, of God preparing us for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so one does not just wake up and end up being an expert on anything. So just look at Brother Jimmy, right, 20,000 hours plus uh, for me to be licensed in my work and, and in Beatrice's work, 3,000 hours or 4,000 hours, two tests, if not more. And then internship, and they underpay you anyways. And so, like, there's a preparatory component to it. And then, uh, for Solia's advanced degree in, in, in ministry, like, it's probably what 5,000 hours plus. So there's a preparatory component to this life. And if we feel like we need to cheat it, I do believe God sort of goes like, "Sorry, this you will you know you will go through the consequences of trying to cheat the process." Uh, think practice repetitions, okay. Uh, Steph Curry was quoted as saying he's never going to pick up a basketball again after he retires because this guy has shot, what, two million jump shots in his life and it's paid him very well. It's gotten him a great family, so, uh, great kiddos. And then he also realized, like, he just wants to do other stuff when he retires. He wants to golf. He wants to uh, do ministry. He wants to make films. Okay. And so think about dedication to a craft. This is about us being more dedicated to God because he loves us. And then think recovering from hard times. Okay, so uh, as much as I'm happy to be here with you guys, when I get home, I'll be on my massage chair for like two hours, and that's just my, my thing right now. Um, although someone said I, I'm 47, but I look like I'm 29. But that's just the face part, not the, not the spine part. Okay. And so the emphasis is on, on to be. Right? We are all at various stages of to be. Okay. And the moment you start thinking it's only those people that do this church stuff, I, I, I worry for you. Again, I, I think our job is to pray for you, and, and your job is to pray to God asking for help. But the moment we think we got this, um, we don't got this. And so that's, that's sort of where I'll, I'll leave off is, again, let's, let's maybe think about what Gary, Brother Gary is saying is, what is it I'm supposed to be? Um, and I, I think if we get out of the sort of realm of I need to be rich, I need to work for LinkedIn, I need to work for... Uh, Stanford University, but really it's, it's these things. Uh, to be worthy of respect, not a malicious talker. Again, just moving quickly through these. Um, to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in too much wine. 
not pursuing dishonest gain, to be above reproach, which means beyond judgment, so that you're so good at what you do that people don't question it, uh, faithful to their spouse and their children, temperate, self-controlled. Again, these are all things that, we're, that really we want to be a part of, ultimately. And yet we are not in a place where we can ex- excuse ourselves from having to do these things. Okay. And so that, that's sort of the context of what Paul wanted the church of, of Timothy to understand. And I'm hoping that this is the same for you all as, as my fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay. I'm going to close in prayer and then we're going to invite, I think, uh, Tommy and Howard back up for the, the last worship song. Uh, God, thank you for this congregation. I'm grateful for, again, these opportunities that the church has provided uh, Emily and myself uh, to uplift and to help grow the congregation. I pray that, especially for myself, uh, that I would not live in hypocrisy of this stuff. Uh, and if I do, that, that you would call me to the carpet, God, uh, as well as anyone else in the room that, that uh, purports to be serving you, Father. So we thank you for this time. I pray that you'd uh, watch over everyone in this congregation until the next time that uh, Emily and I are back, but, uh, but especially as they continue to do uh, church life together, that they would be, all be looking to you, Father, for uh, love, support, encouragement, and, uh, and, and just love, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.